What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. Per usual, I am one of your hosts, Josh from OfferVault.com, the industry's largest aggregator of all things affiliate marketing. And remember, when the light's flashing, we're cashing. We also have Mr. Paper Call, Adam Young, as well as the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz, and our special guest today, Chris Vaughn Weisenberger, co-founder of Aptitude Media, helping companies safely reach quality customers at scale using a cost-per-action model, meaning you only pay for your desired results. What's up, Chris? How you doing today? Thank you for that, Josh. Can I hire you? Well, I was going to say, ChatGPT would have pronounced your last name correctly. It's Von Yeah, Weisenberger. dude, every episode I forget to ask how to pronounce the last name, and I just go for it. How do you say it? What's the right way to say it? It is Von Wiesenberger. However, anyone who's not in a Germanic country would say it exactly the way you said it. So no worries there. Don't help him out, Chris. Chris and by the Von... way, Josh, you may not know this. Fun fact about Chris, Mr. Von Wiesenberger grew up in a castle in Transylvania. Von Wiesenberger, we appreciate you coming on the show. What would you guys think of my When the Lights Flash and We're Cashing? I thought I'd take a risk. A little tacky. Yeah. yeah. All right. I it was a one-time thing. The carpet's new, so <laughs> I held back. I appreciate it. Yeah, I got this cool remote, you know, I just wanted to use it. It's awesome. So, Chris, this is a pretty loaded question to start us off. But in your opinion, what's performance-based digital advertising and how does somebody do it well? Um, well, you know, being a performance ad network is really like at the core of everything we do. Um, you know, we, we've been in business for about 10 years and we haven't swayed much from that because it continues to work for our clients. Um, you know, you, you, you do it well by being transparent and honest with your clients and partners. And, you know, if you're pretending to have traffic for an offer, that gets you really nowhere. Um, we, we like to say no to offers instead of trying to stuff every campaign under the sun into our network. Um, and you do it poorly by chasing campaign fads you're not experienced with and being deceptive to the people you work with. So piggybacking off of that, what would be like some campaigns that you say no to? And like, what would be some of the reasons for not taking on a campaign like that? Yeah. So, um, you know, in my experience, typically uh, really large payout type offers, you know, like mass tort uh, legal type offers are ones that we typically say no to. Um, our specialty is really mass market kind of stuff. Um, you know, we can capture a lot of users and a lot of impressions really quickly. Um, but, you know, on the same time, we can't focus in on a category like that. And it's just not something that does well with our type of traffic. So I know a big thing uh, that I saw on your website is you guys really focus on reducing wasted ad spend. So I'm curious, you know, specifically when it comes to Aptitude Media, how do you guys do that at the same time while, you know, without compromising volume or the quality of the traffic? Like what are the actual actions that you take to reduce wasted ad spend? Well, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And, you know, it, it all starts with cost per action advertising and that's nothing groundbreaking, especially on this podcast. That's nothing new and exciting, but um, you know, a lot of the advertisers who approach us have tried various CPC networks or different demand side platforms with very little support or success. And, you know, we have a lot of sympathy for that because, you know, 
those who have wasted ad spend because we're affiliates as well. And, you know, we value every dollar that we spend on media. Now, what this led us to do is seek out strategic partnerships who offer flexible bidding models as well as structure our own lab assets in a similar way. Um, you know, because we're highly selective about the campaigns we onboard, our partners trust us and offers that we source for them. Um, you know, we've negotiated premium placements with large publishers that can drive pretty sizable traffic and, and it's, you know, for the most part, all very high quality and our clients continue to demand more. Something Chris, else. I know something that you do is um, you guys work in mobile app installs, and it's been a long time since Harrison and I have ever driven traffic to those type of offers. What was it like 10 years ago? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, at least. So I'm really curious if you could give us sort of a, you know what it was back then because you've been around for a long time. Could you give us a lay of the land of what for affiliates mo the mobile app install environment looks like today? Yeah. I mean, you know, it definitely was like a very key focus of ours, I would say, you know, 2016, 2017, um, you know, we, we, we were working with a lot of app developers who were you know, trying to get app store ranking. Obviously some changes happened there where, you know, Apple no longer allows that for, for app store ranking. Um, so really what happened is the model shifted from cost per install or CPI into a cost per engagement. And, you know, what, what those kind of look like would be like a, a fintech app or maybe a gaming app. And, um, you know, they basically, the advertiser or the developer wants you to reach a certain stage in the app. Um, but unfortunately, with just how many networks got involved in that early on, there's a lot of saturation. Uh, so really, you know, we, we kind of shifted focus and resources away from that and really honed in on like continuity offers and lead generation offers. Um, and so that hasn't been a focus of ours for some time now, um, but there are certainly opportunities for, for cost per engagement type, type offers. When you say cost per engagement, do you literally mean someone has to install the app and then take certain specific actions inside the app before it converts? Is it like, I got to reach level six, the consumer has to reach level six in a game and then you get paid or is it like something like that? That's exactly it. You know, it's no longer like a dollar fifty to just install the application. It's now, you know, download the app, sign up, give us your social security number and link your banking info and get a free credit report. And then you'll get paid, you know, 10 or 20 dollars. So those really that's really where the demand is these days for, for mobile app installs. It seems to me like that would be a really complicated thing as an affiliate to arbitrage or buy media for because your conversion data is going to be super delayed. Mm, that's very true too yeah normally you're talking about you know a week in some cases do advertisers set a time limit too so that like they could just get some free leads like you have to reach level four within seven days or we're not paying for it absolutely yeah that's something we noticed too and that's again what kind of led us away from this is just because the demands from the advertisers become so great that you know we'd rather focus on lower threshold type offers and be able to deliver a lot of volume there versus focusing in on super down funnel type app installs that require, you know, yeah, a, a lot of wasted ad spend basically and, and free leads for the advertiser. So today then, what do you, what are the top couple offers or the top verticals that you're working in? What do you think is the most interesting thing um, that you or your affiliates are working on? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, really the top stuff for us at this point in time is insurance. Um, you know, we, we drive a lot of insurance traffic and that's going to be 
ranging from auto insurance. We've had some success with home coverage, you know, home insurance. Um, we've even launched a pet insurance type offer because really all you're doing there is, is if you have a good advertiser, I should say, like I'll, I'll use an example here. And um, this was from a couple of years ago. We worked with Liberty Mutual and they were very, you know, very excited to work with us. We delivered a lot of leads, um, but it wasn't quite at the threshold that they needed. And so while, you know, we were delivering lots of traffic, they were said, you know what, the CPA is just a little bit too high for us to continue with this way. But with our partnerships that we've developed, we have a lot of flexibility. So for example, if Liberty Mutual is gonna pay me $5 for an auto insurance lead, um, I can go and find traffic for that. However, if they said, oh, you know what, that's not the traditional kind of traffic that we see. Okay, no problem. Let's, let's try $3, for example. Um, so we found a lot, a lot more room to work within those types of offers. Um, and also those clients really do prefer large volume at a time. Are they focusing on a lead gen acquisition strategy? Or are they paying on policies written or, or how generally you're they're, that? they're focused on a lead generation, but they're backing it out to the they're policies. Backing it out, yeah. they, they were sharing the policy data with me and they said, yeah, you know, for every, you know, five leads, we're getting one converted policy from that. Um, so we were able to kind of reverse engineer the appropriate CPA from that. Chris, something I want to run by you is, uh, on the branding side of things. I know you guys do a lot of stuff with, you know, increasing brand awareness. It's something we've talked about on the show a lot with other guests. So in your opinion, like what's your take on a spending money, you know, to increase brand awareness. And if someone's going to go down that route, what's some of the best ways that they can really achieve that? Well, by working with us, of course. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that was obviously a given. I like the plug uh, there, Chris. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't do it much. Um, no, but in, in in actuality, it's it's you know something that we really care a lot about, and I think this is kind of the 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 gem of cost per action advertising is that you know you're only paying for the results that you want. However, you're getting your brand in front of, in some cases, hundreds of millions of users in a given month, and you know. You're, you're putting your brand right in front of them. Now, in the example of like rewarded marketing, if you will, um, you know, that's that's something where we take it a step further by really fostering this positive connection between the consumer and brand. You know, you might you know, if, if it's an example of an off wall and, um, you know, there's thousands of offers on it that a user could complete. So they, they've shown interest in your brand by clicking on it in the first place. And what you're doing is you're offering to them a valuable in-app currency for learning more or purchasing products. And now you've created this, you know, really positive connotation with your brand for that consumer. Now, what about branding that's not on a CPA basis? Like, let's say, for example, like I own the industry leading call tracking platform and I sponsor <laughs> everything there is to sponsor because i just want my brand seen in front of every single human being on planet earth like what is your take on branding from that perspective do you think it's worth it is there an roi or are you not really on that side of the the table that's not so much our side because you know for us the brand awareness comes inherently from our model um, i just know, mean so you personally like what's your opinion on that type of branding well, yeah. like in the case of, uh, of Ringba, for example. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. What's your What's your opinion of Ringba style branding? Oh, I, I think they do a tremendous job. And, you know, I've known, I'll be frank, I've known Harrison since I was a little kid. I mean, quite honestly, since kindergarten. Um, and, 
you know, I, I've thrown at his name in a lot of in a lot of instances working in this industry. And even if somebody doesn't know Harrison, who's a legend, uh, they know Ringba. You know, I mean, I I was just at Affiliate Summit West, you know, not so long ago, and uh, I was having some conversations, and I kind of mentioned Harrison, and you know, someone was like, oh, I, you know, it sounds familiar, I don't know him. And then I say Ringba, and it was like, oh wow, you you know the guy who started Ringba, or you know, one of the founders of Ringba. Um, so I would say, whatever you guys are doing certainly has the attention of everyone I talk to in the industry. Good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I don't get shit about when you're, people when you're, who uh, I am, but if they know about Ringba, then I can go with it. I can go. <laughs> also helps when you're, you know, your your booth is front and center at the at the shows. I mean, that always is a is a good plug. Did Ringba well, have a the, booth? Did Ringba have a booth in Vegas? I didn't see you, it. John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it only took an entire fifty-three foot semi trailer to move the booth to the exhibit hall, Josh. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, Chris. Um, we put a lot of time and effort into branding, and it is a long tail marketing strategy. It's very hard to track. It's very hard to put a value on and a lot of what we do ends up being burn budget and i think that's generally branding right it's it's a burn budget you want people to know who you are but over a long period of time it is a very effective strategy if you can stomach the lack of tracking on the return on investment i know for a fact that some party we put on five years ago ended up being profitable for us but it took a long time to link those things together to tangible revenue. You know, you first. can't you can't fire a post back or track a conversion event when like someone on the sales team has a conversation at a party that we sponsor in 2018, and then someone becomes a you know a customer in you know the fall of 2019, you know, a year and a half later. Uh, but we know that that conversation, you know, at a party sparked the you know it was the initial kind of fuse that got lit that started that relationship you know especially with like large large corporate clients that initial impression is not going to lead to a customer tomorrow but it it will lead to a customer a year or two or even three or four years down the line and i think when it comes to branding perception becomes reality if you do it correctly if you run a Super Bowl ad, people go, wow, they must be really successful. One, because it's super expensive to run a Super Bowl ad, but two, because everyone sees it and they remember it. And if you do it correctly, they remember the brand that's associated with it. And so to your point at Affiliate Summit, we had the booth right up front in front of the doors and we had a 16 foot by 20 foot double-sided LED wall that's ultra high resolution. And we used it to run essentially marketing campaigns inside of the trade show. And the cool thing about that is no one else in our industry has ever done something that grandiose or even close to it. And so if you go to Affiliate Summit and you walk in the exhibit hall, your initial assumption is going to be Ringba is one of the biggest companies, if not the biggest company there. And that has always been our goal, and I think at this point that actually might be the truth of the matter, but we definitely want the perception to be that. And so investing in branding that way uh, is very risky, but long term, if done correctly, it can be a really powerful motivator 
uh, to to get customers to buy it also drives services. Yeah, exactly. Like the team's proud. Your mm. customers are like, hey, we're working with the baddest company here, right? They're clearly the best at what they do. Also, in our case, we're marketing to marketers. And so when someone like Chris Von Wiesenberger says like, yeah, everyone knows Ringba, that booth was ridiculous and amazing, that to me warms my heart because marketing to a marketer is the absolute, absolute hardest audience to impress because they do this for a living. And so to surprise someone like Chris or to surprise someone else at a trade show is really a rare thing yeah it's really a challenge so i appreciate that feedback, you know and, and we i'll think i'll think back to like insure tech connect like we're a, you know a technology company there were definitely other technology companies at this show like a hundred of them but all of their booths looked the same yeah and you know sure the writing on the booth ai synergy um, cloud blah 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 apps yeah, I'm gonna get sick. This is a new carpet. I can't puke on the podcast. It's, but uh, you know, I'm like, we have a booth that like shows like we're a technology company. Like, you know, that it, we differ. We we're differentiating ourselves among the pack in multiple ways, and we try to do that at every show. And I think it shows, and that that also you know drives business and like brand recognition for the long term. There certainly is a, a buzz around you guys. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. You know, like I was talking about at Affiliate Summit. What um, what would you say is like the most successful show you've you've attended? Well, they differ. Like, you know, I would say that we have a couple shows that are like Super Bowl shows to us. Like Affiliate Summit West is definitely very important to us. We get business there, but a lot of that's like client relationship kind of interaction, like existing customers and stuff. Um, LeedsCon is another one. And then, like, you know, the ITCs of the world, those are huge investments and shows. That's one of those shows where we might have a conversation with someone two years in a row. And then two years after those two conversations, they become a client. But, you know, that relationship is worth millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. We'll do a six-figure investment at Affiliate Summit, LeedsCon, InsureTech Connect this year. And... Some of it's for client relations, six figures each, by the way. Uh, some of it is for branding. Some of it is for meeting new customers. But ultimately, like at a show like InsureTech, to get one very large customer, we'll pay for 10 three, years. Three, yeah, five years yeah. of those things, yeah. And so we we really like to think about it that way. And and we work our asses off to try and convert those deals. But I don't, I don't know at this point if we have a Super Bowl trade show. I think we service so many segments of the industry at this point. And, you know, we're also always trying new shows. Yeah, exactly. And, and know, outside of the industry board. that I don't know if it if there really is a, a Super Bowl. I think we just try and run our trade show strategy as hard as possible at every single trade show we know that has potential for a return on investment. Sometimes we get it wrong. Um, just like sometimes when you run a campaign, you get the marketing wrong. Um, but we we learn from it. We never give up uh, on the first year. So, yeah, I, I don't think we have a quote unquote Super Bowl trade show for us. This year, Chris, what's really interesting is um, Medicarians, the ACA Summit and LeedsCon are all at the exact same time. And so we're one of the largest sponsors of Medicarians. We're one of the largest sponsors of LeedsCon and we're. I think one of the biggest sponsors of this new ACA summit thing. Um, and so we're going to have team presence at all three. We'll be running two 20 by 20 booths, uh, one at each. Um, 
we have sponsorships at all three. Like it, it's going to be a really hectic dinners, a party. Like we got the oh, whole yeah. nine. I, I, we have like, let me just put it this way. The team that is, you know, working on this is going to be very, they're already really busy with this. I've yeah. been Skyped multiple times today asking logistical questions. So, Oh, and speaking yeah. of which, uh, guys, real quick, I want to announce that Anthony Paluzzi and Ringba are bringing back the caller meetup for the first time since COVID. He and I met recently at a dinner that he held, and I convinced him to bring back the caller meetup. And so uh, Ringba and Halo are going to bring that back and start hosting paper call events at all the major trade shows again. So I'm super excited about that. And I think it's something that people missed. Paluzzi is an amazing personality. A lot of people love him. He throws a great event. And so we're really excited to be partnering with him on that. And so if you're watching and you want to go out, uh, go to that, there will be an RSVP that's going around here pretty soon, but it's going to be a big event. It's at the Paris. Yeah. At the beer park. We, at the we beer did park. Um, a, a Ringba event there. It was like a paper callers branded party. Like I think 2020 before the world shut down at affiliate summit. Yeah. It was like the last normalcy we had for a while. And I think we got over 300 or 400 people in there. Like it was popping. Nice. And now the industry is way bigger. So it's going to be a hell of an event. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be at capacity. So uh, we'll make sure to post the RSVP link under this episode. And you'll see it all over the place if you're watching and you want to go. Chris, something else I know that's super important to you guys at Aptitude is fraud protection. And I'm curious as to your approach for that, how others can kind of better protect themselves in this space. You know, again, something we've talked about and gotten a lot of opinions on. But what what are some like tangible things people can actually do or companies can actually do to really protect themselves on the fraud end of things? Yeah, that's that's a good question. and Definitely deserves a lot of attention. You know, I, I think everyone, you know, if they have issues with fraud, they know about the tools, forensic, et cetera, that are going to help do a little bit to, to filter out some of that, that, you know, trouble traffic, if you will. Um, but I think what's really important when you go and, and you're trying to fight against fraud is kind of identifying which kind of fraud um, a campaign is susceptible to. So an example there, you know, we can go back to the auto lead generation campaign. Um, you know, it, it, if I'm getting some bogus data from a subsource, I need to filter users who have intent from those who don't. So, you know, what I might do there is I might set up a, a, a qualifying page, if you will, before I actually send the user to the lead capture page. And I might ask some questions about, you know, what uh, what kind of car they have, um, you know, if they've been insured, things like that. And I mean, I'm kind of giving it away a little bit here. But one of the secret things I like to do is, you know, if if. Uh, if a user is filling out what kind of cars they have, you know, then they select Audi and then you'll put models, you know, if they, they select Audi as, as their car and then you stick models under there that are not Audi models. So, you know, you're able to kind of find a user who's just clicking to get through the flow and, you know, maybe get their in-app rewards or whatever. Um, and so what you do is you kind of catch them, if you will, before you actually send them to the lead generation page. And then you're redirecting them away from that entirely. And they're never, you know, doing the lead stuffing in the first place. Um, you know, another thing I might do is, uh, you know, if, if we're running a click campaign, um, typically what we notice is that mobile is going to perform a lot better than desktop. If, if an advertiser has seen a lot of kind of click fraud, um, you know, this would be an example of a CPC campaign. Um, almost always we limit it to a mobile traffic source and that, uh, 
98% of the time eliminates the fraud entirely. Um, so those are kind of the things that I do is, is, is sort of try to outsmart the user and never put them in front of the lead capture page in the first place and never get them clicking around on offers that they shouldn't be clicking around on. I'm curious, are you also running calls for auto? And have you seen any resurgence in the, the advertisers buying? So some of the clients we work with will sell our will sell lead data that we send them uh, to calls or they'll instantly dial. Um, so yeah, we do see some of that, but that's so far down the funnel. Um, you know, there might be- They're uh, mostly doing CPC on auto, right? No, we're, we're doing lead gen on auto. It's, it's gonna oh. be a full form capture. I mean, the, the, they're gonna get, you know, the, you know, ideally the full make and model of their vehicle, their current insurer, um, you know, any of anyone else in the household, you know, and then all, of course, all the basic kind of information as well. And then it might back out to, you know, a, a rate table with, you know, some different insurance who are buying CPC on that rate table. Um, but yeah, I mean, that data, data is also getting sold to, uh, you know, call centers as well. Absolutely. Chris, can you tell me a little bit about Acorn ads? I was looking on your site and I saw this thing, Acorn ads. I know, you know, it, it ties into millions of new customers, you know, getting funneled to your clients, but how does it actually work and what what is it? Give us the Shark Tank pitch. Yeah. So Acorn ads is, is effectively an offer wall. Um, and it, it's been a really fun project. And, and I would say, you know, it had a lot of success. And really, I would say what was best was the knowledge we gained from putting it on offer walls and kind of understanding how they work, how uh, offer placement works. Um, you know, it, it, it showed us, well, I should say, it also helped us to kind of grow the network and really build these relationships with the direct sources that we continue to work with today. But essentially what you're doing is you're, you're placing offers on an offer wall that are gonna yield you as the publisher the most you possibly can. So the metric we work with there is earnings for every thousand impressions. So what you're doing is, you know, you have 150 offers live on your offer wall. You have it with a publisher. Obviously, the publisher wants as much value as possible. So what you're going to get there is you're going to get, you know, offers ranked based on how much they're earning. Um, and then you kind of start to see trends. You start to see, you know, which offers are actually, uh, you know, viable to continue running on offer walls and which are not. And so this really helped us kind of develop our strategy and, and figure out which offers to really hone in on and focus on versus the ones that, you know, are going to fall to the bottom of the offer wall. This is another question I like to ask. You said offer vault and we were about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. I literally looked over at Harrison and said, what did he just say? <laughs> Chris, I was going to, I was going to ask you, um, you know, we have a lot of people just getting started uh in performance advertising and affiliate marketing that watch our show so you know speaking directly to them what would be some like tips or advice you would give to a newbie who's kind of trying to figure it out um to earn a living and to be able to really find success within this industry um this is not a plug but i would say find a friend like harrison I, I will say this hands down, I would not be where I was today if I hadn't met Harrison when I was, well, very young, but hadn't started working with Harrison uh, when, I, when I was about 16 years old. And I'm, I'm, I'm really serious about that. Um, so find, find really good Chris mentors. Chris ruined EWA. No, I just fucked with you. Yeah, it's Chris's fault, EWA. <laughs> yeah, all, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, all that was Chris. Uh, we haven't uh, released the documentary on it yet. But... You might as well just call it what Chris did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
This is why I didn't want to come on this podcast. I knew I was going to get called out. <laughs> you didn't want to get exposed for killing EWA. If you're owed money, call Chris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I do remember you had worked me so hard that I ended up like fleeing to yet again Mexico for a vacation with some friends. And I was like, sorry, Harrison, your work hours are too crazy. I'm going to go enjoy myself. <laughs> um, to your no, point, but- though, Chris. To your point, though, Chris, when I got into the industry, I was in my parents' basement. And one of the first things I did was go to an industry trade show. And I met with a couple of the owners of networks that I had applied to or I had run a little bit of traffic to. And they all taught me all sorts of interesting things and then introduced me to other people in the industry. In fact, that's how I met Harrison was at one of these shows. And so at Buca de Beppo. Yeah. Buca de Beppo. <laughs> Buca de Beppo um, loves making an appearance on the podcast. I love it. Fuck that place. Exactly. <laughs> but um, to your point, had I not met some of those people in person, I don't think my career would have gone in the direction that it did. And so I think that's really some simple, but very sage advice. And that is to try and make friends with people in the industry who have been in it a long time and are willing to share some and mentor. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of marketers are super paranoid about sharing what they're doing and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. But I think if you take a more collaborative approach, when you're hanging out with people at an industry event, number one, you're going to foster some true friendships and long-term relationships that last a lifetime. But also, you know, I'm going to have an idea for something you're doing. You're going to have an idea for something I'm doing. Sure, there are totally people out there that are shitty and are just going to try to rip what you're doing. But there's a lot of good folks out there, too, that are just want to help you grow and grow, too, you know? And, and, and I would say, you know, obviously, you know, yes, mentors are number one. And I think another, you know, kind of something that I learned early on was, you know, pick a vertical and master it. Like less is not more here. And if you really want the competitive advantage over other affiliates, because you're all competing, is conquer one vertical at a time. Um, you know, when I was a novice meeting buyer, I spent a lot of time like reading forms and then I would go and spread myself out and test a bunch of different campaigns across every vertical at the same time. And then like once I learned to hone in on one category, the path to profitability became so much shorter. You're Harrison. absolutely right. I burnt a ton of ton of money just trying to test every offer that every affiliate manager said was so hot right now. And (laughs) the reality is most of them did not perform. And that's not because they couldn't perform. It's because I didn't invest enough time, energy, and capital into each one of those offers to really make them successful. But when I did focus on a specific offer, I had life-changing results one of which was education leads. And I got really deep into education leads. I learned how the advertisers made their money, how the networks made their money. And I learned every aspect of the entire business. And then I was able to do that for five years, um, uncontested in certain areas. And I think you're absolutely right. And most affiliates, they're so concerned about finding the next hot thing. Um, but the the reality is everything can be hot if you spend the time to really understand sure. how it works. Harrison, I was going to ask you kind of a similar question. You know, Chris says if you're new, find a friend like Harrison. Did did Harrison have a friend like Harrison or did you just work your ass off and figure it out? Like, was there someone that kind of showed you the ropes when you were getting started? Like if someone can't well, find a friend I gotta, like Harrison. I got a 
pay some homage to Laura Cruz, my first affiliate manager ever. She was working for CPA Empire. Fuck yeah. Nice. You know, this is like 17, 16 years. Like, I was a baby. Um, and she definitely gave me some insights. And then um, there's some there, there were people that kind of showed me under the hood, definitely, and showed me some campaigns, you know. Um, but I, say, I think I definitely kind of figured... Was that Rachel Escobar? Do you remember? Oh yeah, Rachel Escobar. She worked with yeah. Jenny, who is part of yeah. the Ringo team. And you know, like these are people that definitely pointed me in the right direction. And something, you know, I think I think you mentioned it, like affiliate managers pushing you to run offers. Um, when I first got started, like buying media and like learning Google CPC and stuff, I tried like mesothelioma, <laughs> but like lead gen meso where it was paying like twelve hundred dollars yeah. a lead, and like I was paying like eighty four bucks a click on Google, and like I got slaughtered. And so something that Chris said at the early phase of the podcast, you know, focusing only on the payout and looking for like, you know, he does the opposite of that. I tried that like oh this pays 186 bucks a lead or whatever like hell yeah let me crush that and it just destroyed me and you know like let's let's go with like calls for example you know predictive routing kind of really uncovers this but i've met marketers that are in the call space that like all they care about is payout and we know that there may be an affiliate that has four buyers for a campaign one buyer might be paying half of what the other buyers are paying but have a different cri conversion criteria and they're going to win the calls because it's not always about payout like look at your epc or your effective cost you know your cost per revenue per call like you know big picture guys and gals let's be big picture because a lot of people in this industry and other businesses just don't don't look at things in business in full picture and then they end up getting slaughtered and chopped up well, some of the biggest campaigns you and I ever ran pre-Ringba, the CPAs on those were like 18 cents, yeah. 27 cents, 32 cents. One of the biggest campaigns I ever run as an independent affiliate, I had a $1.95 payout. I have done a ton of money. I know you have too on some co-reg offers that are a $1.50, $1.25. Speaking of that, when I was crushing, um, there was an ad network called Social Media. Dot com. It got bought by like Groupon or something. It's it's not here. And they had app in app advertisements, like when you'd play games on Facebook apps and stuff. And uh I got offered email submits and they came to me and they were like, We'll pay you two fifty on the email submit. And I was like, Can I have like a no scrub payout? And they're like, What? And I'm like, Yeah, like a real payout, not this fluff bullshit. And they gave me like I think it was one fifty or one sixty payout. And my EPCs were crazy. And then affiliate networks would come to me. What are you getting paid on this email submit offer? I'd be like, I don't know, 160, 150. And they'd be like, oh, I'll give you 185, thinking they're gonna like hose me. And I'm like naive and friendly. So I'm like, okay, I'll give you I'll give you a test. I'll give you a test. And like my EPCs were like in the 30 cents, and theirs was like 16 cents, 15 cents. I'm like, my shit's converting double your garbage offer. Like, I, I'm out, I'm out. And no one could figure it out. And I'm like, and then I remember the opposite. I tried to give this offer to some friends that were like buying at like Cubix or whatever, which was another in-app network, you know. And they're like, "Dude, why would I run this? I get paid, you know, two twenty-five from another network." And I'm like, "Bro, just give it a try. Give it a try." 
people and try they always to, like, say, oh, yeah. it was a suppression list. Oh, no, we're duping it out against a suppression list. That's why your conversion rate's <laughs> not that good. <laughs> yeah, Such bullshit. bullshit. And by the way, Josh, if anyone's looking for a mentor, Harrison's cell phone number is 813. I will say this about Harrison and, and early on, you know, obviously when you're buying media, you, you need kind of instantaneous support. I mean, I was very new to it and, and I was Skyping with Harrison or whatever, and he would just go silent for like three hours. And I'm like, dude, like I, I need some feedback here on, on this campaign I'm trying to launch. And he'd wake up and then message me back saying, sorry, dude, I, I passed out because I ate like three cupcakes at, from the store down the street. Do you remember that store? Who diddly? Dude, that was like 17 years old. I think so. And you would literally eat so many that you would get a sugar high and crap. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like two in the afternoon. You'd be dead for five hours. Those cupcakes were stuffed with cupcakes. Like, oh, gosh. The cupcakes so had good. cupcakes inside of them. I don't know how to define it. That place was horribly good. I actually remember walking in there one time, and I think, Adam, you were in town, and you were driving a convertible Corvette with Harrison. And <laughs> yeah, you this is real. In. Harrison goes, go get me like 10 of them to go. <laughs> Yes. Pretty fire. I'm yeah. kind of glad they didn't make it. <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah. I might have gotten like diabetes. <laughs> Chris, I'm assuming not putting too much focus on the payout would be an answer to this last question I have for you. But on the flip side, like what would be advice in terms of a newbie like staying away from? Like what should they avoid doing to also find success? Not focusing too much on the payout like we were talking about. But outside of that, what else? So, I mean, I think in the, like, I'm going to go more from like the perspective of the advertiser here, like some mistakes that they could make. Um, you know, I, I think advertisers, and, and this could be applicable, I suppose, to, to affiliates as well, but it's really comes down to the attention and, and how much bandwidth the network has. So, you know, a lot of the advertisers who come to us have been with large CPA networks and, and expected a lot of attention. Um, you know, they invested all of their time into one or two networks and expected results instantaneously. You know, meanwhile, these networks are managing thousands of campaigns at a time and not giving yours the attention it deserves. Um, and in the same case, if you're an affiliate, not helping you, not guiding you. Um, and a month or two later, you might get a request for a payout increase. So some random affiliate will finally test it, um, you know, or on the other, other side of that, you might be an affiliate who's trying to campaign and and, you know, your affiliate manager sends you a 25 cent rate increase. That's not going to make a bone of difference, um, you know, and, and, you know, from our position, from our network, I'm, I'm not saying that we can make every campaign work, but we're not going to lead you on and, and waste your time pretending we can. Adam, I got to ask you a question as well before we get out of here. Where the hell are you guys? Are, are you at your place or somewhere else? Yeah, we're in Ringba's Mastermind House in the new podcast studio. It's not quite finished yet. We still have to do some acoustic treatment and some more wiring, but we put in a full professional recording studio here so that we can do podcasts and trainings and um, do AV for Mastermind events and mixing and all the things you basically need to do to put out really, really amazing content. So. To our listeners, one of the biggest complaints we've gotten is audio quality. I apologize for that. And so we, we clearly have... Neither of us are wearing AirPods today. Yeah, no AirPods. We've really stepped up our game. Um, but we're going to be bringing back the Paper Collar Show, Josh. We are going to be having more in-person guests. We have 
another chair here. I haven't set up our camera equipment yet, so the, the visual quality isn't quite there yet. But um, we have three Sony FX3 cameras for cinematography, basically. Something Adam said was we've essentially gone from the most bare bones basic setup to as complicated and and like professional as you can get. So like we're coming for you, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eat your heart out, Joe Rogan. Well, Chris, I would love to thank you for coming on the affiliate marketing show today for myself, Josh from OfferVault.com, Mr. Paper Call, Adam Young, the industry legend Harrison Gewurz, and Chris von Wiesenberger, co-founder of Aptitude Media. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the affiliate marketing show. We will see you next time. Show.